Good afternoon, and welcome to After the Gig. This is Jesse, your host, as always. And today on the show, this is a, bit, a very special treat. Um, I'm actually getting interviewed before one of uh, one of the Carbon Leaf shows at the Sellersville Theater by Katie Musselman. Katie is a longtime Patreon supporter um, and fan of Carbon Leaf and After the Gig, and is always sending in awesome questions and. Uh, she asked to set up some time before the show to do a quick interview and to talk to me and ask some questions, and that's what we did. So this happened a few weeks ago, and uh, it turned out great. It was awesome. Really, really great to talk to Katie. Um, and yeah, we talk about a lot of cool stuff like participation trophies and Berkeley, and just it was just really fun to sit down and talk with her. So uh, if you have any questions for the show email in to after the gig pod at gmail.com check out the patreon patreon.com slash after the gig we get into a bit of the ed sheeran talks which would happened a few weeks ago it was during that trial and i think the day after we actually talked uh it was settled that ed sheeran was found not liable or got thrown out and uh he won the case but on patreon this week on the podcast on there uh, I t- went into depth. We listened to the songs, told you my opinions about all that stuff and what it would have meant if he lost and how it's, you know, and, and what it means that he had won. So if you want to check that out, go become a member and uh, support the show at patreon.com slash after the gig. There's new merch at after the gig new sweatshirt. There's new t-shirts. There's kids shirts. There's Ladies sweatshirts, ladies tees, all that good stuff. So go check that out there at afterthegigpod.com. But without further ado, it's me and Katie Musselman. Well, then I'm going to jump right in because I sure. also was kind of, I went back and listened to a couple just as a reminder to get back into it. And But your latest one with Pat McGee, mm-hmm. you and Pat both were agreeing that in order to take the time and spend the money to go see a show, you need to feel super inspired by what the artist is doing. Mm-hmm. So how does that impact you and inform you as an artist as you're prepping for a show? Interesting. Um that's a really quick, good question. Um, well, there are certain things like when you're playing, when you're playing a show, like especially from behind the drums. Like, I haven't, I haven't been behind a drum kit in probably. Terry, when was the last show we did? Three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I've been behind a drum kit in three weeks. Okay. So, it's been it's always like really inspiring to get back behind like my favorite kit of drums. And I have, I brought a new snare drum with me. So it's like little things that, that will actually, um, spark a little bit of that. Um, and then I'll listen to a bunch of music on Mm -hmm. the way down. I I might like not listen to a podcast, maybe the first couple hours just to kind of keep me awake in the car and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But then I'll put on some music. I put on our new album, um, just to listen to it and kind of get get pumped up and psyched because it's really good. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, 
a lot a lot of it's gear being around being playing with the guys again after after a little bit which is always just like a fun thing you know i feel like i'm just hanging with friends which is cool so. yeah and that's what coming to a show feels like that we're hanging with friends mm -hmm. partly because the fan base is so loyal and you do get to know people but partly because you all are so open and and welcoming as well so yeah we're doing this yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is that's cool. true which is awesome that's i've never true. done so. anything like this before so yeah. that's pretty cool so then um, another thing that caught my attention today was this whole thing with Ed Sheeran being sued, I well, guess. Well, he's in court. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, first of all, I'll be completely honest. I'm not hearing what, is it Ed Townsend's heirs are hearing? I'm not hearing the similarities, but I'm not good at stuff like that. But my question is, what impact do lawsuits like that have on musicians because we're so far into you know music that does anyone have a completely creative original idea or are we all just kind of is everyone borrowing ideas and piecing them together in their own unique way and where's the line mm. oh i think so i mean in songs i don't know the two songs that they're talking about so i won't even mm -hmm. try but uh, a song like blurred lines you know, which I do know mm -hmm. the two songs, uh, the Al Green oh, right. song, mm -hmm. and and, um, <clears throat> and that song, and they they were inspired by that song in the studio. Like Pharrell has and um, what's his face, uh, Robin Thicke. Robin Thicke. Is that his name? Yeah. Okay. Were uh, admittedly were inspired by the song, and there was a lot of like I think it's a lot of the sound design, like the woos and and the groove and everything. Like it was it's pretty close you know yeah. but as far as as far as the song itself like i don't think everything should be taken away from them you know they should have to pay royalties to the to the right. family and things like that but um i don't know at that level what kind of an impact monetarily mm -hmm. it would make um i'm sure a significant <laughs> bit right significant but also probably not in some ways like significant to us but to yeah. the artists they're probably like mm, i would hope yeah i mean and a lot of things like when i was in music school we talked about this a lot like copyright and, mm -hmm. and things like that and um a lot of the a lot of the stuff was about like the the professors would talk about sometimes they're not even going to come after you and this was years ago so things sure. have changed a lot but yeah um yeah a lot of times they're not going to come after you because, you know, it actually sparks interest in that artist's old back catalog. And um, if it's not, if it's close, but not too close, like as far as chord progressions, you're going to have copycat. Like there's there's only so many that, that you can do. Right. And, and there's rhythms, there's different grooves. So that's a way to be creative, to make those chord progressions kind of sound different and be different. But when you get into the melody mm -hmm. um, and and the rhythm of the melody, like the, the those kinds of things, like that's where there starts to be some problems if if you if you have some people copying melodies and stuff like that. Um, that's, you know, the melody and the lyric is like the two the two things that is what makes 
the songwriter, the songwriter, the person that wrote the song, the person that wrote the thing. That's what makes it special. That's mm-hmm. what makes it a song, really. Um, you know, you could talk about arrangements and whatever. And, you know, I, I don't think arrangement and like decorative pieces of a song should take away someone's creative outlet. Because like if someone's talk, like talking about a certain thing, you know, lyrically mm-hmm. or whatever, like that, I feel if it's coming from like a authentic, honest place is always going to be, um, is always going to be, uh, like create like to that special to that person who's, who's writing right. it, but you can't, right. you know, you can't steal the vibe of a song. You can't steal the melody. You can't do that. Those kinds of things. So right. those are kind of the, ru- the rules, the guidelines, but yeah, it was really good. Cool. Awesome. Um, but yeah, hopefully that, yeah, I feel like it's so, well, it's so complicated because, you know, I mean, every song you can almost, you know, so many pop songs you can say, well, it's similar to this mm-hmm. song in this way and similar to that song in that way. And I know there are, you know, I think it was Beyonce sampled a Stevie Nicks riff or something like that, but fully credited her. She's in the video mm-hmm. for it and all that. You have, but to, clear, you have to clear these things, right, you know, like right. Cisco, famously, mm-hmm. the thong song oh. said, and she's living in the vida loca, didn't clear it oh. with Ricky Martin. Yeah. Lost, I think, all the revenue of that song. Oh, my gosh. Like, I had not heard that one. But mm-hmm. I guess that's it. Like, where does it go from like, well, that's sometimes people just say that to this was Ricky Martin's line in the song and that's a little more clear cut and like i said with the marvin Gaye song and the ed sheeran song i'm not hearing what they're saying yeah so it's just like where's that line and how you know oh well how much has to be similar Mm -hmm. because you're right like there are a finite ways to arrange things that sound good Mm -hmm. until you know we just say like we're all kind of at this point borrowing ideas it's very hard to have a 100 percent original idea yeah well i feel like a lot of the pop artists, like if you're, I don't know, the, the, all all m- the music and and different eras of music kind of have similar, mm-hmm. yeah, sounds of, yeah. of each other. But I guess like when you go and back and borrow someone's thing from back in the day, or you take some kind yeah. of idea, maybe it crosses a little bit of a line. But well, and I think that's what they're trying to decide: is did he? borrow it or mm-hmm. did it does it just happen to sound similar and yeah. it's I an, egre- an egregious one is is like uh vanilla ice oh yeah you know that's an egregious yeah. one like yep. where he got i think he got away with it i think he did because it mm-hmm. was the baseline was like obviously the same yes but had one different there was one thing. slight difference it's like and one of them was just and that was it but it was you know, but it's like it that song probably it had you know it was mutually beneficial for both artists. True. So, yeah. but it's like where's the line? Where's yeah. the line? It's so subjective. And that's that's what it is. And especially as I see my daughter really likes to write, and when we read her writing, we see the elements of all the books she reads. Of and course. of course, she's ten, so she's not publishing. She's not pursuing that. She's just writing because she loves it mm-hmm. but at some point you can't do that yeah you, when you does know? an influence turn into into copying right and how much of it would need to be her own in the future for mm-hmm. her to to kind of say hey i have this idea and i want to publish right um like panic at the disco like took a lot of elements of beatles music mm-hmm. and 
you know, no one cares about that. Yeah. <laughs> it know? just, I, I just kind of thought like as if for songwriters, for musicians, what kind of limits does that place on them? If mm. they're kind of worried about, well, this chord progression kind of sounds like this song. Are they going to pursue me for this? Right. What song was the one that, that, or who who is it, it from? What was the artist? It was Thinking Out Loud, borrowed from Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On." So yeah. it was the writer's heirs. I'm not sure. Daughter, maybe who who? Yeah. The, the, oh, the co-writers. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I believe you're right. Yeah, and I think a lot a lot of times these things come from like the estate and, sure. the, and the families. Like I sure. I would. I would be hard pressed. Like I don't know. I, I don't know of any examples other than other than Vanilla Ice yeah. uh, of the artist kind of coming after another artist. But but if it's egregious and and there's a lot of money at stake, um, sure. You know, yeah. like you can't really steal revenue from from something that isn't your like intellectual property. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure <clears throat> if this one is egregious. I'm not sure. I haven't. I'll have to listen. I'm very. I'm curious. Yeah, I would love like a musical mind to to explain to me how they even have a case there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it just, to me, it's more what limits does this place? How is this going to kind of, you know, handcuff people and, and paralyze them and, you know, when they're trying to create. To me, it would have to be, it would have to be the melody and Mm -hmm. it would have to be the rhythm of the melody. Like you, you know, you go, you go into the studio with the best of intentions to create something right. new, but like you're inspired by something and maybe like that just kind of creeps its way into the song. And most of the time it's, it's harmless. Um, but sometimes like, you know, you get something, you get people around you that are like, Oh, this is great. This is amazing. And, yeah. and it just keeps going. It just yeah. snowballs. And then the True. song comes out and, you know, and that's it. And then, and then you're getting sued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never been in that situation. No, and hopefully you don't find yourself. I hope not. In that, I hope I write a song that good where someone thinks. There someone you else go. Wrote that it. there is something to be said for that. Right. So then you mentioned this is a good segue because you mentioned being taught, um, you know, how to kind of protect yourself against that at school. In I think it was in your Pat McGee podcast. You you said that part of a Berkeley professor's job is to get students to drop out, and whether that's you know, kind of an unspoken thing or just the vibe they give off. That really resonated with me because um, kind of knowing a little bit about the world of academia, a lot of times what schools and programs are touting is their graduation rate. They want to show that most of the people who get into the program graduate and go through it. So I was wondering what your thoughts on the effectiveness of that attitude pervading the programs is. And also what, what's your perceived impact on kids who have, you know, really to this point had mostly success in music. They were probably some of the top musicians in their high schools Mm -hmm. and now they're coming in and it's, it must be totally different for them. It's kind of like those star athletes going to college and finding out they're not the star anymore. And that can be really rough. Yeah. Especially in a world where I was reading an article where a good number of colleges are eliminating grades for freshmen because it just it it's partly to do with mental health partly to allow them to better adjust but we're living in a world where participation trophies are the norm and kids are just did you try your best that's good enough yeah 
And I'm thinking, how is that preparing them for a place like Berkeley? And how is that going to look moving forward? Yeah. Well, the nice, the, the good thing about that, like the first part is, um, I think, I think the talent kind of speaks for itself. And another mm-hmm. thing that I, I remember that I said was that the raw, raw talent only gets you so far. Right. Um, right. So the good kids, the ones that are really good that know how to play with other people, you know, you can have all the chops in the world, but mm-hmm. if like you get on on stage with and play with people and you're just like, you know, being annoying or, or you're not like playing musically, you're going to get, they're not going to ask you to come to the next thing, mm-hmm. you know? So you get weeded out. Um, it's very, it, it's very like real life in, mm-hmm. in that environment because you're kind of like, you're in there and there's there's perception that you shouldn't already know everything when you get there. Mm, it's not the okay. it's not always the case like you still got to go into the classes and learn but when I was there it had just gone from it was really it was really easy to get into Berkeley okay. to it was really hard okay. to, to get into Berkeley. So they were changing their thing you had to audition when I when I uh enrolled and I was actually waitlisted. Okay. Um because I just I didn't have the reading chops. I didn't have that kind of stuff. Like I had the raw talent, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know how to work to get to like doing stuff like this mm-hmm. yet. So um, I think there's a place for for weeding mm-hmm. people out. Yeah. Um, I don't agree. I I don't think there should be participation trophies. Like I I was I was at my um, my nephew's baseball game mm-hmm. the other day and it it actually like kind of made me sick how how intense the parents were getting um because they think that their kids are all the best and right. i i get it right. and and you want your kid to like not be bullied not be pushed around you want them to be popular or whatever but like what's the like I don't. I know maybe one person that went on to be a professional, play professional sports. Mm-hmm. Going on out of all right. those kids right. and all those insane parents, none of those kids are playing sports anymore. None of them. Right. So, right. like, if the kid is good and will practice, they're gonna find the way. Mm-hmm. They're gonna. They're gonna figure it out. It's like I, I'm all about kids having a ton of fun, learning rules, learning that you're not always going to win. You're not yeah. always going to get your way and learning that there are other kids out there that can really, that are way better than you Yeah. in every aspect. So it's like, yeah, you have to know that to be. And then if, if you get the fire to like, all right, well, I want to get better at this. Then you have to learn how to get better, better at it. You know, it, and that works. That's like anything. Like I, I don't think anything should be handed to anybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? And that's it's what I fair. was thinking. I, I agree. Like there are some things in life that are always going to be merit based, but it's going to be such a weird juxtaposition for a school like Berkeley to deal with this generation of kids who are being gentle parented and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, how are they going to have to pivot? Because I know universities across the country are having to pivot um, based on setting them up for a world that, that doesn't exist that they want. I agree. It, that world doesn't exist. Like if, if I went outside in New York or, or wherever, it doesn't matter, anywhere in the country and say somebody comes up to me and fucking like mugs me, punches mm-hmm. me in the face. That's not the world that, that I was set up for. Right. I was set up for like, you know, 
looking out for my surroundings and like not mm-hmm. putting myself in in bad situations or or whatever like you can't be naive right like it's it's i think it's so naive to have that type of mentality towards the real world and like what you're going to get like you know my wife runs a hotel mm-hmm. and has fired many of these children that yeah. that think that they can walk in and, and talk to people with disrespect. And it's like, no, you can go home. You're not getting, and that's it. Yeah. So I, I don't mess with, like, I did not grow up like that at all. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, my dad threw baseballs at me to, <laughs> to, to learn to not be afraid of it, you yeah. know? So it's funny. We were just joking about that the other day. So I keep checking the battery. No, that's but. okay. No, it is, it is intriguing because with uh, Eric, my husband being in academia and talking about, you know, how they have to kind of walk that line of supporting students, especially over the past couple of years, and preparing them for jobs beyond college that, you know, aren't necessarily going to push a deadline and push a deadline and push a deadline mm-hmm. because you're feeling a little bit down that week. Mm-hmm. It's a tough line for universities because you're beholden to mostly the parents who are paying the bills. But yet you, they, as the faculty want to prepare their students and sometimes i feel like i think they feel that their hands are a little tied yeah well good good leaders and good teachers should not be getting shut down by soft parents right that that are having their kids pushed and ultimately made better for for putting them in hard situations and and making them know that this like you not doing it today isn't acceptable you right. Know, it's not. Yeah. So I just don't um I don't see any benefit to to that style and um you know I think it's I think it's an easy way that we're all we're falling behind. Yeah. Here, so. Well it sounds like you would be a good faculty member then at Berkeley if you're willing to Well to I don't know. I mean hammer. I think there's a, a good you have to be able to recognize when someone is trying and right. not push them too hard. Like right. it, it's good to push people to a point where where they're gonna try harder but you can push people kids especially too hard and Absolutely. and have them be like you know fuck off i'm out of here yeah um and i've seen that and i've been i've been pushed to that point by by some people that you know i still think there was no it, it was it was uncalled for mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah they were just doing it just to do it yeah um which i i didn't think was cool and I love like a love hate thing with with Berkeley, but um, well, and you're you're resilient enough that you were able to kind of see that that's not how the majority felt, and, yeah. And your passion for music was enough to keep you going, but yeah. for some kids that'll break them. Well, it's also like I ha- I'm supposed I'm here and I am supposed to treat you with respect. I expect mm-hmm. I want to be True. taught. I True. Ex- but I expect yeah. to be treated with respect in return. Like just because I'm a kid here, it's like I'm paying. I'm paying your salary, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there, there is an aspect of that. Right. Like I'm paying a lot of money to be here and I'm not going to be treated like an asshole because I'm not, I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. There, there was a lot, there was a lot of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just, you know, it, there, there's, there's pros and cons to it. I think that there's, it, it's fine to push kids to a yeah. point where they're uncomfortable because it's the only way that they grow. Yep. It's the only thing. It's like yep. when I first started bartending, like I wasn't that great. And then I got put on a really busy Saturday night shift and I was the owner of the restaurant was sitting in front of me, yelling at me like a coat, like a football coach, like <laughs> make these fucking drinks, make them faster. Let's go. There's someone down like, like that. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my 
God. And yeah. it was never, and, and I was like, okay. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta know my, sh- I gotta be able to do this. Yeah. Like, it's a good job. And, it's good money. Yeah. And, and some never people will again. thrive <laughs> so, yeah. under that. And some people will completely melt. I'm pretty good. So. I'm pretty good w- under, under pressure. But yeah. if someone is, is pushing me too hard to the point where I think they're like, I'm, I will push back. Sure. Hard. But as you mm, should, yeah. everyone needs to set those boundaries. Yeah. So, um, this, I guess it's a good segue. So speaking of, you know, lots of faculty, former bosses, um, what experience or person has been an unexpected influence on you as a performer? Hmm. Kind of where have you drawn that from where you're like, I never thought I'd find it here, but I found it. Hmm. That's a really good question. I, I, I mean, I had, I had a professor at Berkeley named Jackie Santos who, who like taught me more in my first lesson with him than I mm-hmm. learned in like the whole semester prior. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just like different approaches. Like, yeah, I learned a lot from people that just how to approach things in a different way, um, and how to like look at things from a different angle. So musically, um, you know, like Barry. Barry and I in the band, like he'll see something a certain way and I will, I can't see it at all. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I don't, I have no idea how, like how that's going to work. Okay. And then just through just keeping going and just following, following that thing, like learning how to follow and not always try to be, be the, the leader and yeah. always try to be the, because I have a big personality and, and I've fought with these guys relentlessly over like ideas that I've had mm-hmm. and things I prefer to hear different okay. things. But I've learned that if you don't have an idea, don't try to get one. Oh. Follow, follow the, the, the thing in, until if it inspires yeah. and if it sparks something fantastic. Um, and that's, and, and, and if, if someone else's idea sparks something, obviously it, it's probably going to, work you're going to work together in a certain way and accomplish some kind of um some kind of thing together in a in a happy way but yeah it, uh i guess i guess like that process of just taking something that you just don't think is going to work like no way in mm-hmm. hell and then just following it and just you go on stage and it just ha- it just happens it yeah. just works like trusting Kind of trusting, yeah. I was in other people thinking that that you really have to trust the people in your band with you. Yeah, just and even know. if it doesn't work, it's like all right, we tried it. That's you know? true. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen. Everyone, one bad song. Everyone boos. And crickets they leave. after crickets after one song, yeah. and the rest. Everyone are, you boos know. and they go home. Okay, well we'll <laughs> we'll see if I don't think that's going to happen tonight. But you never know. Yeah, you never know. First time for everything. So I don't know. Time do we have? We have about fifteen minutes. Good? Okay, we could so, probably push it a little bit too. Well, it's I don't okay. want to. I don't want to make you. No, you're fine. Anything. Keep going. So, I mean, we've done. We've done almost a half hour, which okay. is which is cool. So then, I read an interview with Joe Kwan of the Avett Brothers, and in it, he expressed interest in in writing songs. And the interviewer said to him, "Well, you've got really two great resources there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever asked them?" to help you or to support you or about their process. And he was kind of just a hard, no, I don't bother them about that. Mm. And I thought that's really curious to me. Cause if I was on the bus with them, as much as they're on the bus together, I would 
probably say, hey, I'm thinking you're doing this. Can you help me? Is there kind of an unspoken thing that people don't bother lyricists about their lyrics? Or is it just that was his boundary? Hmm. That's interesting. I I mean, I, I don't think I would like ask Barry what a, a song was about. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, you know, it's a like a really personal, I guess it's a really personal thing. Like, mm -hmm. Which is interesting because I think fans are very okay asking that and really yeah. want to know. And that kind of goes back to, I think I sent you a, a quote from a book mm -hmm. and, and it was from the perspective of a fictitious musician. I hated that quote. <laughs> but well, to catch ever, the listener up, I don't have it with me, but she was basically saying she loves being a musician, but she hates how open and vulnerable that kind of makes her feel yeah. because people are willing to ask questions um, and make assumptions about her that she doesn't, that aren't accurate. To and be upset about a position that right. so many people would die to be Right. In. Well, and she <laughs> said they, they kind of make the assumption that the music's not my own. It's right. not for me, it's for them. Well, it is. Right. So here's the thing. So like with that, and I'm pretty sure I responded back to it. You and, did, and yes. I, and once that song like leaves your lips and goes into other people's ears, it doesn't mean it's 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 not yours anymore mm -hmm. like it it takes on a meaning for that person wherever they are in their life mm. and yeah i love um that. and that's true i mean i've i've heard that I, I that's not an original thought like okay. i've heard that from many different people and i agree you know wholeheartedly that that's true like yeah. a certain song yeah. um you know stop this train by john mayer like when I first heard that song, like it almost made me cry. Like, but, but like, who knows the ins and outs of his relationship with his parents or whatever. Right, it's right. just like, whatever lyric hits you, like maybe you had a, you know, someone pass away that's close to you or, or whatever. And, you know, a song that like, wasn't even about that, like hits you in a certain way, then it's, it's, it doesn't, it, it's, it means whatever it, means to you you know right. what i mean so yeah. whether you find out what that person was particularly writing about or not mm -hmm. doesn't matter right you know i don't think yeah but then my question would be if you could ask any of the musicians you've toured with what the hell is this song about where were you like what was your headspace what's what's one song you would actually be kind of curious about knowing the mm. story to man that um What's the song, uh, like the Alanis Morissette song the, about the, the guy from uh, from Full House? I'd like to know. Oh, about John Stamos? No, the, no. Oh, no, um, Dave Coulier. Yeah, yeah. I'd Dave like to know Coulier? if that was true. Oh. If that song was about okay. him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I don't really, I was never like a lyric guy okay. until until fairly recently. Okay. I never cared. I was always yeah. out the, the music and all that stuff. Because there's a lot where I'd say, Oh, I'd love to know the story behind this. Mm -hmm. And for me, of all the musicians that that are kind of in your circle, I thought I would love to ask Dan Mills, what the hell is the story behind Sandy? Please oh, tell me Sandy? that one. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but that was when I'm like, ooh, that sounds like an evening right there. <laughs> I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of the Sandy put down the gun, gun, you're scaring, scaring everyone. everyone. Yeah. Tires fourth of July. Um I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. But who, who knows? You know, and I wouldn't and ask funny him because, because it's his. But I was just like, that sounds like a story. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like there are a few songs that he has that I do know the meaning of. Okay. Like, yeah, um, you know, there's a song about uh, the ocean mist, which is a mm -hmm. place that we 
used to go to on Tuesday nights and drink beers and mm-hmm. like it was so fun and in uh in Narragansett or um South County and it's just like he's the one person that I would feel comfortable asking mm-hmm. but like you kind of know like he writes a lot about his wife and stuff and it's now his kids and his family and, right and you find these like little things but when he wrote um a song about having a kid like when when two turns to three mm-hmm. like cause mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. just had a kid so that one made me really emotional so like you know everybody has these like shared experiences you know what yeah. i mean so it's not like whatever you think is like weird about you or or your experience like someone else is all going through the same thing right you know? odds are right. um so that's why there's like an audience for everything like that but i don't know yeah that's not that's kind of a cop-out answer but. no no that's well but it does give me the insight because like I said, fans, I think, and if you follow the chats whenever you're doing, you know, the live stream concert, people will kind of say, oh, I'd love to know what this means or what does this lyric mean mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think people do feel a little bit more willing to ask questions, more invasive questions of a lyricist or a musician than they might yeah. somebody that they don't know well because you're just by nature vulnerable. Because yeah. you're kind of putting your diary out there for people yeah. to read. Yeah. Um, My advice would be just just think it is whatever you think it yeah. is. <laughs> you know, just yeah. do, just think, just read into it, whatever you want. <laughs> we could come make, up with some pretty, fun, pretty gnarly stories then. I know. Some of these musicians will have even more sordid lives, lives than that. And you can find out like did. which musicians or, or which artists like write fictitiously right and they're out there there's right plen- there's plenty True. that do it like yeah. you know write about us like a fictitious situation or or whatever and that's cool yeah. that's great you know yeah um but i feel like most of the people that like singer songwriters that we listen to and stuff aren't like that but um you know it's uh, a lot of it you know a lot of, a lot of feelings getting put out there yeah <laughs> you know it's a lot like i don't write like that at right all. Well, and I think it it probably is enough for them to put those feelings out there and not have to divulge even more. Right, right, exactly. um, But then one one softball question I have is... Oh, thank God. These these have been tough questions. (laughs) Is in in your ideal world, if you could do kind of a song switch with another band or musician, who would you want to sing a Carbon Leaf song and what song of yours do you think they should sing? And I'll I'll give you a minute because nostalgically, my dad was a huge Moody Blues fan. And so like, they're not necessarily my vibe, but there's something about whenever I hear um, Once Upon a Time by them that just takes me back to being young and riding around in his car and i thought i would i think their sound on love lost hope repeat would be really fun it'd be trippy really? it'd be but it'd be different like that's the it's thing funny, we're I'm playing like, that tonight yeah that's we yeah don't usually but play. i was like that their their kind of trippy yeah vibe like, like on that song voice. would be kind of fun so that's you know. that's a, oh that's a really interesting question <laughs> i uh oh my god i don't know I, I also thought Alison Krauss singing maybe today would be Oh, that'd be cool. Her singing would, anything would be right, would be really right. cool. Right. And the, but I couldn't come up with like, oh, what song of hers should you do? Because it, it just I couldn't come up with one. <laughs> but she could sing maybe today. I don't know. Maybe today is a good one, which which we actually haven't played in forever. Yeah. Um we haven't played it probably in three or four years. Oh um, wow, okay. But um shit. I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm going to pass. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll hold you to it because I'll email you. Yeah, yeah. Let me think about it. Yeah. And I'll because and I'll I I do did it take in the time. intro or the outro. I did take time and think about that one and then i was kind of like no this doesn't have to be the perfect switch the perfect cover it's just who would i like and mm -hmm. that's when i was like the moody blues because they're super nostalgic and my dad passed before i ever got to bring him to a carbon leaf concert but doors they're trying to uh they're like okay yeah i'm i'm, I'm watching the time I'm sorry the time. i'm chatty no no you're fine <laughs> No, this you is probably leave the word fuck out of this it. This is all this is all great stuff. I love it. Oh um, yeah, I mean I would love to hear like like the Dubliners, like okay. a classic that Irish band fun. play, you know, like the boxer and and <gasps> oh, she's gone. Like that would be so yeah. cool to to hear how a traditional band like that would perform those things so like if you had like gaelic storm do those songs which they have they've done them with us yeah. so it's, it's a little bit of a cop yeah. out but um and i mean there's plenty of ugh, god there's pl I, I don't know I, I like rem is is <gasps> that would be really super fun, fun for us yeah. to do because yep. it's so in barry's wheelhouse yeah you know and he loved all of them love rem and mm -hmm. so we've done a couple of the tunes um and they've always worked out like really yeah. well. So specifically, I would love to hear how traditional Irish bands would approach our Irish songs. That would songs. be super fun. Yeah, that would be, be really super fun. fun. So, all right, I got so, it. I got it. That was a good answer. There you go. Yeah, I you got it. there. But maybe, yeah, if you think of any more specifics, okay. I'd okay. love to hear them. Because I think it's just fun. I think it's just fun it to think fun. about. It is fun. So, and then I guess we'll wrap up. But yeah. my my final question, just su super simple, with a and this was great. You're so oh, good at this. Oh, thanks. Well, this was like a couple weeks of scribbling down questions. But so because I work with three year olds, and you have a three year old at home, sure. Does having a three year old at home give you more relief when you get to leave the house for a tour, or are you more relieved now to go home? Do I have to answer <laughs> honestly? <laughs> no, you don't. That's all the answer we need. <laughs> No, I mean it's it's a it's a double edged sword. Oh yeah. So like, yep. I was really happy to leave and spend five hours alone in the car yeah. and listen to podcasts and not listen to you know kids music. But mm -hmm. but Ethan right now is super into Dawes. Okay. So we're listening to oh. a lot of Dawes. Okay. So like every single day, he's like, I wanna. I want to listen to when my time comes. And yeah. he sings all the time. I, it's my favorite thing in the world. You ask Genevieve, like listening to him sing just like makes me like ear to ear smile. Like I love it. That's awesome. Um, and what else? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it is a relief. Yeah. Um, at times, but then it's like, I just miss the heck out of, out of my family when I'm, when I'm out for long stretches of time, this is the perfect amount of time mm -hmm. to be away. Because how long is this tour? Two it's days. Like, then I'll be home. Oh, then I'll okay. be home. That's right. It's okay. First time we're playing in Newport, so that's oh, awesome. right over the bridge yeah. from my house, and um, that'll be awesome to have all the family there and great. And then it's like two more days after that. So yeah, totally fine. That is great. Five Enough time to, to reset and remember that you're an adult with your own life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I love that he's at the age where. He is now he's a little more independent like we can just like all right let's go to the let's go to the um 
let's go to the playground. You just right. you just walk there. It's not a whole schlep to get everything right uh, yeah. packed up and out the door. Like I I like that so much, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like, if he misses his nap, it's just a nightmare. Oh yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> like yesterday, I've got a classroom full of them. For example, <laughs> yesterday it was just it was tough. Um, you asking me? Left foot. Right, right under the the sample pad. I got to go up there anyway, so I'll move it. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I yeah. it's so nice to get away and play music because, like I said, I haven't been behind a drum set in three weeks, so right. it's it's really really fantastic to get out and play and do this. Um, but it's always really nice to get home. So awesome. I bet Jen is like really likes it when I go away too. <laughs> And probably just for a couple days, because after a yeah. longer amount of time. Yeah. It's like someone else has really, to take care yes. of this goddamn kid. Yes. It's very yeah. frazzling. Yeah, I bet. Yep. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks for taking a chance. Thanks for doing it and, and taking the time to write oh, questions. Yeah. Really good, thoughtful questions. Oh, thanks. I can, I can take a page out of your book and prepare <laughs> a little bit better for my, my interviews. <laughs> well, you've got a lot more than me. Yeah. So. Well, you know. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. That's the episode. Enjoy the music. Hope you enjoyed the show. And I will see you next week. Remember, it's after the gig pod at gmail.com for emailing in. Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash after the gig and after the gig pod.com for all your merchandise needs. If you're running out of shirts, you have holes in your shirts or you're really cold and you need a sweatshirt. I got you at after the gig pod.com. See you next week. Bye.